And I'm going to have you turning your Bibles to Psalm 145. We'll start there as our illustration, but all of our points will come out of Psalm 150. We'll break down the entire chapter of Psalm 150 and break that down and study that. Praise and worship. Praise and worship. I'll give you some verses as we get up to this. And the Bible says, Psalm 57, verse 7, My heart is fixed, O God. That's worship. Think about that, everything. I'm, my, my, my mind is on you. My heart is on you. My, my heart is fixed on you. And it says, I will sing and give praise. Out of the heart of worship comes praise. It's the result. Worship leads us to praise. You can't have true praise without true worship. You just can't. That's that's why you can have emotionalism and the group can get up here and the praise team and the band and everybody can get up here and say, sing, sing, sing. And we can get all hyped up. But I tell you, that doesn't mean God's glorified by it if our hearts are not in tune with God. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and he says that that with their lips they do praise me or they, they talk about me, but their hearts are far from me. The book of Psalm is a song of praise. It's, it's like a handbook for praise. It, it, it builds and builds. And at the end of it, it's like putting together an orchestra. And all the pieces are being put together. And he talks about overcoming and putting your heart on God. And my mind is fixed on God and all this. And by the time we get to Psalm 150, it's like the whole orchestra comes together and praises God. Before we get there, I, I want to just kind of give you an example of the buildup. In Psalm 145, he said, I will exalt thee, my God, O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. He's, did you notice what he says? Oh God, my king. You know what he's doing? He's putting himself in submission to God. He says, I am, I am not. You are everything. Some, the next verse, it says, every day will I bless thee. You realize it's spirit and truth. It's not just on Sunday. It's not just on the Sabbath. He said, every day I will bless thee. It's not a place. And I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. The thing is, when you begin to think about God, your mind will go crazy thinking about how good God is. When we get our minds off of CNN and onto the promises of God, your whole life will change. I'm not saying that we shouldn't know what's going on in our world. But I'll tell you, what we meditate and what we think about determines our action in our spirits. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious. That's truth. And full of compassion, that's truth. Slow to anger, that's truth. Do you see what you're meditating on? You begin to put your heart on God, and that's what he's doing in Psalms. This is worship. Begin to worship him in spirit and in truth. And great mercy, truth. The Lord is good to all, that's truth. His tender mercies are all over all his works, it's truth. When you begin to think about the truth of God, it will affect you. It doesn't have to be something where the worship leader's up here. All right, one more time. Come on, sing out. Where are you guys at? And pulling it out of the congregation. No, when your mind is fixed on God and you're thinking about the truth, you can't help but do what we're talking about. Speaking about the inner man. Let me do that. I've done this before, but just to illustrate this from a perspective that we would understand what is happening of the inner man, of thinking about truth, of your heart and your mind, This is what happens. The Spirit of God is inside there. And every time you do that, it stirs up something inside of you. And everybody knows this principle of a Coke. You sit there and shake it enough. The last thing you want to do is open that can of Coke. Why? Because it's going to go everywhere. Well, watch what's happening. Verse 10. 
All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. Did you see how the beginning of it is talked about uh, truth, truth, truth? And at the end of it, it says they will sing, they will speak, they will praise. When it is inside you and you stir it up, all of a sudden what's on the inside begins to come out of you. Now, I wish I would have brought a second thing of Coke. If I took one of them and I did nothing with it, I left it there and I opened it up, nothing would come out of it because nothing stirred up on the inside to come out. To be honest, that's most churches. We sit there and talk about praise and worship and say the worship is dead because Christians are dead. I'm not talking about spiritually dead. I'm, I'm, we are alive in Christ. I know that. But I'm saying of what God is doing in our hearts and minds, there's nothing there. To be honest, because we're increased with goods, the Bible talks about we have need of nothing and we're, we're, we're spoiled, we're rotten, we have everything. We complain more than we praise. Amen. So nothing comes out. But man, when our heart is fixed on God, we be, it says they shall speak, they shall talk. God's mercy is true. Wow, I'm so glad that God is slow to anger. Verse 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall. He raises up all that those that are bowed down. We sit there and say, man, I've messed up. I can look back up my last year and be able to say that I've done more wrong than good. I've messed up. I've fallen short. But man, we begin to realize that God is a God of second chances and third chances. It says he picks us up and he makes all things new. You guys get it? Things are being stirred up in your heart. All of a sudden, it's coming to your heart and mind. Verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. To all that come, call upon him in truth. And by the time we get to verse 21, he says, My mouth shall speak the praises of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his name forever and ever. I won't do it, but you know what happens at the end of this verse? He goes, Man, I can't hold it in any longer. You know what that is? That's a praise and worship service happening right there. He said, no, that's a mess. No, I'm talking spiritually speaking. That's a praise and worship service right there where God's people are so consumed with the things of God and the greatness of God that it comes out. The rest of the chapters keep building like that same chapter right there. And then we get to Psalm 150. So turning your Bible to Psalm 150, we're going to just go through this whole chapter here. The Bible is explaining it and it breaks everything down. I'm going to show you that Psalm 150 gives us the what is praise, where do we praise, how do we praise, why do we praise, and who shall praise, all in one chapter. He wraps it up at the very end, 150 chapters, and he stops and says, are you getting it? Man, please don't miss this. So we start with this, what is praise? What is praise? We talk about it all the time. But I'm going to ask us as, as God's people, if we're commanded from beginning to end of the Bible, and if we're going to be doing this for all eternity, and I sit there and say, what is it? Psalms answers that. The very first word says praise. We look that up in the Hebrew, and it means this. He says the praise of the beginning of the chapter means to shine, to make a show. It means to boast. It means to be foolish. To rave, to celebrate, to glory. Let's just break this down. This is what he's saying through this. See, praise is an outward expression of inward worship. Praise is outward expression of inward worship. The word praise means to shine or to make a show of. We do this in sports all the time. We sit there, and I'm not even going to bring up the book, guys. I know that's not a good conversation to bring right up. 
But when we're watching the sports teams that we like and we're sitting there, we're on the edge of our seat. You know what our minds do? We sit there and we begin to focus on the score and who's up and, and are they calling a timeout and it's third and goal and they have the ball and are they going to run it or throw it or is it going to be an interception? And all of a sudden they snap the ball and everything begins to transpire and they get on the other side and they score and all of a sudden what happens to the couch? It goes vacant. Everybody jumps to their feet, begins to shout and scream and excited. You know what happened? What you are processing on the inside comes out of your actions. That's what praise is. Praise is understanding when we begin to see and observe and take in and be able to process everything that is doing. And everything that God has done on the inside of your heart comes out. You know what it's saying? It shines or to make a show of what God's doing on the inside. That's what praise is. Sometimes you have those situations and you know what happens is somebody comes out of the kitchen and they're like, what, what just happened? And he was like, everybody's going crazy and jumping around and everything and they, they missed it. They, 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 they missed the observation. They missed the, the touch of God from it. They, they missed the, they, they're not involved in what God is doing and all of a sudden we're like that as Christians. We're like, what is everybody excited about? What's the big deal? Missed it. See, praise is also responding to God's goodness. See, Psalms 106 describes this. It says, praise ye the Lord and give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. This is why we often talk about thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. We experienced this at Christmas time. A lot of people got gifts. I asked Morgan if I could share this, but Jenny got a, a different gifts from each one of us. But the one that touched her heart the most came from Morgan. Morgan sat at her computer and made a book. And at the beginning of the book, it was talked about her mom and talked about the, the things that she's done. And every, every page had a picture of them together and things like that. And by the end of the book, Jenny was in tears. And it was just a matter of she was responding to what is. See, praise is responding to God's goodness. When you experience something good in your life, you respond to it. Jenny didn't just set the book down and say, that was great. Thank you very much. She turns to Morgan walks over, embraces her, hugs her, kisses her, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why? When you experience something that you have good in your life, you can't help but say, this is awesome. Thank you. See, praise is an, an outward expression of what's happening inward. Praise is responding to God's goodness. Now I'm going to ask you guys a question. If we have dead times in our life or dead times in worship and we're sitting there, man, God is so good. Are we truly experiencing God's goodness or recognizing God's goodness when we sit there like dead wooden Indians. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, we're talking about the cross and salvation and eternity and heaven and salvation and all this other stuff. And we look like we're bored to tears. You say, why is that? Because sometimes the reality of what God has done has not hit our heads. I could take that same book that Morgan made and bring it up to a stranger and say, look at them. And say, well, that's really neat. Give it back to them because it has no emotional connection to them of a relationship. Does that happen with us? Praise is responding to God's goodness, but praise is also breaking on God. Morgan gave that book, and they had that response, and then we, we went and saw all our family, and of course, it's a natural reaction. Anytime we got around the family, Jenny would say, or people would say, what did you get for Christmas? And Jenny would say, oh, I've got to tell you what Morgan did for me. I've got to tell you, I, 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 oh, it was so sweet, it was so great, oh, and this, and she wrote this, and she did all this. You realize that praise is simply just bragging on God. See, Psalm 106 says that, verse 1, praise ye the Lord, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. See, if God has been good to you, 
and you recognize the good in God or the, what God has done good in you, it will come out of you, or it should. That's, that, that's what praise is. It's literally saying, wow, look at the house that I have. Look at the life that I have. Look at the legs that work. Man, look, look at that, the fact that I have breath and I have kids and I have family. We live in America and we're free. We have a Bible and we can come to church and we can worship our Savior. God is good. Sometimes we don't see it. And if we don't see it because we're looking at everything else, we don't respond to it. See, praise is letting go of your pride also. You say, where are you getting that? Well, read the definition. It says praise means to make a show of or to the boast and thus to be foolish. Now, I want to clarify. It doesn't mean to be an idiot. And sometimes we, it's not saying to go out and do something crazy. It literally means to let go of yourself. There's a story in the Bible that illustrates this. David went out to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. He brings it back into there, and they begin to sing and praise God. Why? Because they experienced the goodness and the protection and the, the, the victory that God gave them. David took off his outer garment, and the Bible says that he began to dance before the Lord. And he began to express himself. Now, this wasn't like, you know, a choreographed dance or whatever. This was just an expression of joy, kind of like we do in the living room when our sports team scores. It's, it's just an excitement of what's going on. That's what David is doing. Here's Michael on the inside, his wife looking through there, Saul's daughter. And when he came in and said, you look like an idiot out there. You made a fool out of yourself. David didn't care. He said, what I did, I did for God. Now, I'm going to be honest with us. Sometimes we sit there and reserve ourselves so much of expressing worship and praise to God out of pride. I know it's quiet, and that's, that's probably a good thing right now. But let me be honest with you. If God has commanded us, and I'll show you all the different ways to praise his name, to sh- sing, to shout, to clap, all these different things that he did. And it gets in your mind saying, I don't want to lift my hand because of whatever. Or I don't, I don't want to sing, or I don't want to shout, I don't want to say amen, I don't want to express myself of the goodness of God. Let me tell you, if God commands it and it's a good thing, who's telling you not to do it? Think about it. And us as men, God will touch our heart. We'll literally hold back tears. You know why? Because I'm a tough guy. God will work in a service and we want to say something or shout or raise our hand or whatever, and I don't, I don't want to draw attention to myself. And I'm not saying that we should deliberately draw attention to ourselves because that's not worship. That, that can be in vain. But I'm talking about when we do something because God's on the inside and it's coming out of us and we're excited about something. And all of a sudden we are easily, sometimes we quench the spirit of God because of our pride. I know I'm in a Baptist church right now. And sometimes, you know, in Baptist, we're, you know, Baptist traditions, like we're, we're, we're very, you know, proper and all this other stuff. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, being idiots, but I am talking about the idea that we should not be hindered to worship God the way that God has called us to worship. We should not be hindered by man. We should not be hindered by tradition. We should not be hindered by the opinions of other people. We certainly don't have problems with this being Baptist when it comes to sports and activities and things that may appeal to our flesh. And by the way, David wasn't doing it to get attention to himself. He was just excited about what God was doing. Simply getting caught up in the greatness of God. Sometimes we can be so much like the Pharisees that we get caught up in the, in, in the rituals of things and we lose the relationship of what we have. 
Here's what here's, he says in Psalm 150, verse 1. He, he says, praise ye the Lord. And we look at that praise to see what it is. But then he says, praise God in his sanctuary. He begins to tell us where the specifics of this. He says, praise God in his sanctuary. Now, I know today we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That the, the God dwells inside of us. And the Spirit of God goes with us. And this is not the house of God. We are the house of God. But God has called us to gather we take this place to gather in this place. In the Old Testament, it was actually talking about a specific place. It said, praise him. Praise him when you gather together amongst God's people. God is glorified by the unity of the praise of God's people. That's why he said in Psalm 35, verse 18, I will give thanks to thee in the great congregation. That's what he said. I will give thanks to thee in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. God loves us to encourage one another. Do you realize that if you guys ever argued in the car before you came in the church, let's see a raise of hands. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. You, know, you have a bad day. You're yelling at the kids. Your mind's everywhere. You're, 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 and all of a sudden, you walk into church and you put on an act. You're, you're not happy. You're only sitting by your spouse because you don't want rumors to go on. You know what I'm saying? You're not happy. And you sit there and go and stand and sit and sing and whatever is happening. You're just going through the motions of it, but there's nothing going on inside. But then all of a sudden, God will begin to work on your heart and mind, and the Spirit of God will begin to take over, and the music gets to you, and the, uh, the Word of God gets to you, and the fellowship gets to you, and all of a sudden, you go back out to the car, and everything's sweet and better. You know why? Because all of a sudden, the edifying and the encouragement and the things that God has called us to do when we get together began to take an effect on your life. It has an effect. That's why the Bible talks about the edifying of one another, and you can't do that at home from your couch. It's something special about coming together. God loves the unity of his people. But he took it further than that. And you say, well, that's why we come here. We come here to praise. But that's not all that he said. He said, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. You realize what he's saying. The earth is his sanctuary. He said, praise him ever. A great example of this is some of the, some of the coolest worship that I've been part of is uh, at teen camp. Teens, teens don't care. They, they, they're, they're not worried about who's around. Some of them, you know, play that cool thing at the beginning. But I, I think we have a picture. This was a picture that I took of us. And it was so cool. They're, they're worshiping God. And then all the teens got out of their seat. And they all gathered down front. And they're praying. They're singing. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was a perfect example of what God was talking about. You say, praise God in the sanctuary. But then that rolled over into something. And we left there. And we went on this hike to the bluff. It oversees the mountains and everything that's there. And we got up there and all of a sudden the teens began to sing again. And there was no congregation. And there was no stage and there were no lights. It was just teenagers that were stirred by God that took the time that they had to worship and praise the name of their God. You see, it was never meant to be an organized thing that just happens from 11 to 12:15 on Sunday. It was something that's supposed to be in our hearts and minds that we carry with us all over the place. Psalms make it, he says, praise the Lord, where? He says, praise him when you get together. But I tell you, praise him when you're not. You realize that you can have a praise service as you're driving through traffic. You can have a praise service when you crawl out of bed. You know why? Because God is good all the time. It doesn't have to be in a service, an invitation, or a worship leader to get you there. Why should we praise him? It says in verse 2, praise him. For his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent goodness. It says for his mighty acts. You know what that's saying is praise him for what he's doing and has done in your life. 
praise him for his mighty acts. What has he done? You stop. God says, okay, praise him. That's what, it's an expression of what's going on, on the inside. Where? Everywhere. When we gather together. And then he says, by the way, this is what you're praising him for. Praise him for what he's doing and has done in your life. You, you stop and think about this. Psalm 49, verse 1. Praise the Lord and sing unto him a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. I opened out with this about the new song. We're, we're going to have a bunch of this going on next week when we explain this. But I'm telling you, every day God's mercy is new every single day of your life. And let me tell you, it is great to look back at what God has done back when the church started. Praise God for what God did when the church started. But let me tell you, this generation, God's not through with us in 2020. You know what we do? We step back and realize that God has put a new song. Let me tell you what he's done this year. Let me tell you those pictures that we just showed. Let me tell you about that. Let me tell you how God is working. We begin to realize what God is doing right now in your life. Your blessings, your goodness, your health, his protection. And you begin to realize that he is good. All the things that God has done. I started thinking about that. Praise him what he's doing and he has done. Think about just counting our blessings, Americans. And I know, guys, we, we get so, I hate election years. Can I just say that? I hate election years. I mean, I know we have to do it, and thank God we live in America, and thank God we have that process, but I hate election years. You know why? Because we have so, so much arguing and debating, and it creeps right in the church, and before long, our lobbies are filled with people debating and arguing about who's being elected, and who said what, and who did what, and smear campaigns, and everything else. And I know we have to have that, but I'll tell you, can we just stop and think about our salvation? The fact that this is not my home and I'm going home to heaven one day and God has overcome death, hell, and the grave. Man, that God is good all the time. It doesn't matter who's voted in, whether you're voting in either direction, God will still be king of kings at the end of it. That's what our minds should be. He says, praise God for what he has done. Praise him for what he is doing in your life. He says, praise him for his greatness. The two things that he said to praise him for. The Bible says the Lord is high above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. Can I make this personal? Because I'll tell you what, we could sit there and rattle off things all day long. I could sit there and say, God came out of the grave, and we would sit there and say, amen. We, would, we just would. Almost because you have to. You can't not say that. You know, Jesus conquered death, hell, in the grave, and oh, you know, nudging and say, oh, amen. You know, we just have to do that. I started thinking about this. You know what? This is being real transparent right now. One of the absolute greatest fears in my life is getting a phone call that one of my kids died. You say, wow, you just went a really dark <laughs> direction. Listen to me. If you're not going to say that, then you are probably lying. One of the greatest fears that I have is finding out that my wife is terminally sick. You say, man, you're a pastor. You, I, know, I, I know that. I know the facts. But one of the greatest fears is saying goodbye. Back in 2019, I, I went through something that I've never done before in my life. I had to say goodbye to my dad. I had to say goodbye to somebody that I was absolutely close. I, I stood there and watched him die. It's weird. I, I'm a pastor. I see death all the time. But knowing that I'll never talk to him again is weird. It's just, it's just something you can't, you have to experience. You can't just say it. Can I read a verse? I'm, I'm just talking about the greatness of God, but just saying the words, sometimes we don't make it personal enough. For I am persuaded 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All three of my kids and my wife and myself have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. I will never, ever have to be without my family for all eternity. You say, well, no, 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 there'll be a separation. You realize what God has promised me is the fact that even if I have to say goodbye, it's temporary because absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Sometimes we, we, we lose perspective of that. When we look at the cross and we say he's overcome, man, he's overcome for my entire family. God is above. That literally means you name it. You sit there and say, Iran could come after us. God's above it. Terrorists, God's above it. Death, my God, is above it. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate my family from heaven, which means that nothing can separate me from my family. You say, man, that changes things. It does, because all of a sudden, it's not just a symbol on the wall. It's the reality of my life. God is great and greatly to be, to, to be praised. Psalm 150, verse 3, he continues, praise him with. He goes from the what is praise, and he talks about the why, or why should we praise him, and then it goes with, talking about how we should praise him. The sound of the trumpet. With the psaltery and harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. I, I, I didn't understand this of expression uh, of praising God. And, he, and if you notice in this, he's, he gives a whole list of different variety of ways of praising God, of what he says in this. I told this story before, but I, I, I've got to tell you guys again, it was... Me and Jenny, you guys know that my wife grew up as a hardcore Green Bay Packer fan. And I was going to be the Mac Daddy. And I took her one time to Green Bay Packer Stadium in Lambeau Field. And we got to see the Packers play the Bears. It was awesome. And then a few years later, I couldn't afford those tickets again. So I found a good deal to go to a sorry team. And so we went to the Detroit Lions and watched them there. Tickets were way cheaper. We get there, and all of a sudden, we're bragging. We walked in. We had the Green Bay Packers stuff on. We were so proud. We were so excited. We were determined, knew that we were going to win this game. So they get to the end of the game, and all of a sudden, uh, the, 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 they, they lost. I mean, literally, I, I, I say this is one of the few times in NFL history that we can even say this. They lost at the end of the game. Game's over. Flag is thrown on the field. They go out there and do, do the thing and know the announcement that on the last play there was a foul, whatever. They gave back the ball to the Green Bay Packers literally with no time on the clock. They had one play. It was over. Flag was thrown. So they sit there and Aaron Rodgers goes back literally like 70, 80 yards, throws a Hail Mary. He catches it in the end zone, comes down, big pile of people. He stands up with the ball. The Packers win. Now I'm sitting there with a whole group of people that are kind of gathered together that are Packer fans. Let me tell you, the place went crazy with disappointment, but those Packer fans went crazy with excitement. People that didn't even know each other were high-fiving each other, hugging each other, going all crazy for this victory that happened in there. And I realized that something, when something happens and God is good, God has given us outlets to praise him. It's different for everybody. And I'll tell you what, some people didn't do anything and some people got excited and some people were hugging strangers. 
But I tell you, there's something that if God is doing something in your life and you take off the cap, something's going to happen as a reaction. You say, why? Because God made us that way. He has this whole list of things that is going on in here. The Bible gives us this principle of understanding this. It's the word rejoice. And I know we have the word joy, but a lot of times we don't stop to understand what rejoicing is. The word rejoicing has a couple of meanings. In Psalm 68, verse 3, let the righteous be glad and let them rejoice before God. It is, it is a word that we're to live by. Even in part of the uh, Christmas story, it was talking about rejoice and be exceeding glad. And it says, let them be exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God and praise his name. There's two tenths of that word in there. The word rejoice means to jump for joy, to be joyful or rejoice, to triumph. But it also means to be bright, cheerful, or glad. It's an outward ex- response or excitement to all that God has done. And, and, and we, we do that during worship. The example there is we sit there and we play songs and we get excited. We're expressing it. We're physically doing something to worship or to praise God. What's cool about this is everybody does it different. And I know people will debate on how to worship. And Baptist debate, every denomination, what is true worship? How can you praise? What is too far? What is okay? It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Praise him with a joyful noise. Can I tell you what the joyful noise is? It means to split the ears with a sound, to shout for an alarm, to blow an alarm or to cry. Now I'm going to ask you guys right now, does that sound boring to you? You, you look at that, just split the ears. Are you talking about let the people rejoice? It's not just saying worship. And sometimes I say, bow your heads, close your eyes, let's worship. Let's pray, let's think, let's meditate. That's not the time for this, okay? Can we make that clear? It's not the time for this. But there is something about gathering God's people together and making sounds of rejoicing because we're excited about what God has done. When they cross the Red Sea and they got to the other side, they didn't just stand there and say, that was very impressive, thank you, Jesus. Well, they didn't say Jesus at all, but thank you, God. There was something going on inside of them that excited them to sit there and they, they sang and they danced and they played and they rejoiced in what God is doing, what God has done. Psalms 35 verse 27 says this, and I need you guys to help me on this third word, okay? Let them what? Shout. Let them shout for joy and be glad and favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let this Lord be magnified which have pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. I'm going to tell you the truth. With what I'm about to say, if we honestly did what the Bible talked about, it would make us very nervous. If we actually did what the Bible talked about, it would probably make people want to leave. Just being honest. We talk about being biblicist all the time and talk about what the Bible says and all these, but sometimes we get so caught up in tradition that we lose out on the Bible. We get so caught up in what we have manipulated and, and, and created in, in church culture. And I'm not saying to create a circus. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying if the Bible says it, the Bible says it. That's, that's, that's all it is. If God said to do it, we should do it. If God instructs us to do something, I don't care what other people say. The Bible is always right. It's all that matters. Listen to what he says. How do we praise God? I'm just going to bring you through what the Bible says. Number one, he talks about a shout of joy. Bless, oh bless our God, ye people, and make voice of his praise to be heard, to be excited. Joy is not quiet. It should be exciting. There's times and a place for this. To say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you God. 
an expression to shout it out, to be thankful. Now, if I was to say the word touchdown or OH, people don't have a problem responding to that. Doesn't matter. If I would have done that Christmas Eve service and I would have got up here and we, we had candles and sang, Oh, Holy Night. If I would have ended that service and said, OH, I guarantee you that would have probably been one of the loudest moments of the evening. Oh, everybody responds to that. God has given us things in the Christian life to respond to. And he literally says to shout, to be excited, to express it at the right time. And I do believe there's a time and a place for everything. Even Ecclesiastes says there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time for it. But let me tell you, an absence of it is not okay. And sometimes we get so stiff and scared and worried and and, and technical with what we do. Let me tell you guys, we have an order of service that we follow with every service that we have. But if God ever steps in and leads us to do something else, I will throw it out in a heartbeat. If God tells us to preach longer, I'm going to preach longer. If God tells us to sing an extra song, we're going to do it. I want to be spirit-led and let God take over our church and it not be about us. And some of you are like, no, I don't know where he's going with this. Here's where I'm at right here. You guys with me? This is where I'm at. <laughs> don't let me lose you. Sometimes we get so caught up. I'm like, well, that's not what it doesn't matter. What matters is thus saith the Lord. That's what matters. And I think sometimes... We sit there and say, man, God's not working. God's, you know, I, I'm ending the verse with this or at the end of the service. God inhabits the praise of his people. You know what that says? God shows up in true praise and worship. God shows up in that. And I'm not talking about emotionalism, but let me tell you, worship brings emotions. You say, why is that? Because God created them. God created emotions. Even when Jesus was standing there at Lazarus, the Bible says that Jesus wept. And they rejoiced. And they clapped their hands. They got excited. Counting this, Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's what he says. We sit there and we'll sing about the cross. We'll act like we're at a funeral. We'll sit there and talk about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And we'll sit there and say, we're going to be in heaven forever. Amen. It's like, oh, sorry. I mean to disturb our rest. Clap for joy. Oh, clap your hands. Clapping the hands is a universal way of expressing appreciation or praise. Somebody does something at a ball game. It's a natural thing. It's in the Bible. You sit there and go. Somebody gets an award. Somebody stands up for Veterans Day. Somebody gets, uh, graduates or whatever it is. Something that God created us to do. Have you ever noticed when babies, well, they make their first step and they stand up and they make one, two, three steps. They fall to the ground and they do this. Did you teach them to do that? It's a natural response of rejoicing. Something that God has done. Have you ever thought about the first guy that ever clapped? I mean, I don't think, I don't know if God taught him. You know, something good happened. He's doing this. And the dude next to him looking at him and said, what are you doing? I don't know. (laughs) But I like it. It makes me feel good. You know, it's just like, it's just a natural response. But I tell you, I, I've heard people say, even in church services, we'll clap for joy or somebody get baptized or we'll finish a song. And man, that's, it's an expression of something going on that's good. Let me tell you, God does a lot of good. So there can be a lot of clapping and praising the expression of joy. It's okay. Second Kings 11 verse 12, and he brought forth the king's son and they put a crown on him and gave him his testimony and they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, God saved the king. 
It's a natural thing to do. There's, there's singing and playing instruments. The Bible talks about 150. It talked about all those instruments, all different ways. You know why? You know why I said sing to him with the harp, sing him with that loud sounding cymbal? Because God looks at the congregation of us and says, we are all different. We are. By no means I'm going to sit there and say you need to rejoice or praise God in the way that the person next to you does. Don't try to mimic anybody. Just respond to what God's doing in your life. Respond to the worship of your direction and your attention and your love for God. It's different. We don't need cookie cutters. We don't need to mimic anybody. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Sometimes some people just sit there and cry and sometimes they'll lift their hand and sometimes they'll stand up and sometimes it's just different for everybody. But the whole idea is that you don't quench the Spirit of God. He said, sing unto the Lord with a harp and the harp and, and, and a voice of a psalm. He talks about singing all through the Bible. We're, we're going to do a lot more of this next week when we explain this. See, singing is an expression of joy, but it can be dead. Let, let, let me read some words and see if these sound familiar to you guys. Christ is my all in all, the joy of my salvation. He is the hope that will never fail. Heaven is our home. Through every storm, my soul will sing, Jesus is here, to God be the glory. You say, man, that sounds familiar. Well, that's how we opened up the service. See, it's just putting our mind and attention on God and, 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 and praising him. Another how to worship. The Bible talks about lifting up your hands for joy. The Bible says, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands to thy name. Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lifting up your hands is an expression of joy. It's an expression of surrender. It's an expression of worship. It's a natural thing. Have you guys ever been to a ball game or something like that? Something happens and all of a sudden everybody does this. Have you ever noticed that? Or like, way to go or whatever. It's just an expression that God has given us. Psalm 150 gives the what, the where, the why, and the how. But it ends with the who. He says in verse 6, Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation, we were created for a reason. To worship and praise God. And Psalm 150 lays this all out over and over and over again about the good and the bad and the rejoicing and this. And at the very end of it, he gives us this outline of praising God. Our, our worship should not be dead. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, like I said, we, we get all different directions when I make a comment like that. But I'm saying that there should be something, something happening. The Spirit of God working in our hearts and minds. The, the Word of God stirring our hearts and minds. The goodness and the greatness of God stirring our hearts and minds. It says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. To habit means to sit down to dwell, to remain. You get that? To sit down, to dwell and remain. God inhabits the praise of us. Makes a joyful noise. I just clap, cry, shout, sing, play. It's not the same for everybody. But I can tell you this. You were created to worship God. You were created to praise the Savior. That's why I'm here. Sit there and say, to build church. Sit there and make disciples. All that is true. But I tell you, in everything that we do, we do for the glory of God. Everything. 
So if I'm not witnessing to somebody, my entire life should be a testimony of the greatness of God and it should come out of my life. 